all of these things that can absolutely screw a landlord, but there's not much that could actually hurt a, a tenant who doesn't pay. Well, I don't know if you've watched the news at all in the last couple of weeks here, but there is now people striking in Toronto on paying rent and more and more people are just simply not paying their rent and they just can't mm. afford to. No one is out there picketing or striking at the grocery store. What's called when you fill your gas and then run pumping? I know. I think it's called about. a drive off. I accidentally drove off one time. I was talking on the phone, to be honest with you, which you're also not supposed to do, yeah, probably because it increases. Yeah, I was smoking a dart, out. talking on the phone, just stealing gas. A dart on the phone, <laughs> doing everything wrong. Yeah, so I just drove off and, and I didn't think anything of it. I got a call from the police a day later yeah. or, or two days later. And the police were kind of like, honestly, like there's not a whole lot we can do about this. But like, are you going to go back and pay? I'd like to be able to tell them. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll go back and pay. It's just crazy that like I drove off on like 20 bucks worth of gas and the cops came for me. Yeah. And every time someone doesn't pay rent, what do the cops say? Th it's a tenancy issue. It's not a tenancy issue. issue. So someone cannot pay 2,000 bucks. Thousands of dollars. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, when, 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 when I was go. broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. Man, this week was a battering ram. Like, just terrible. This week, man. No, no. I mean, well, oh, yeah, 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 busy, but man, I literally locked in two mortgages. Oh, God. Just before. The, this rate increase. Cause oh, I was right, like, man, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I think there's a decent chance there's going to be this rate increase here. So I, I locked in a couple and I was talking to my sister and I'm like, ah, you maybe don't need to lock in the other one. Yeah, yeah. And of course almost it was, it was literally like three days later, but man, I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm getting so um, frustrated with the federal government, but it's also making me realize to some degree we have in Canada, almost a government manufactured economy right like yes we don't actually manufacture anything <laughs> we don't really use our resources to the extent that that we should yeah we don't innovate um so like you know that whole startup sector whatever you want to call it like we don't have those traditional anchors to our economy yes what do we have is a lot of government spending yeah and that's a huge part of our, our gdp yeah we have a heavy, heavy reliance on real estate prices going up. Yeah. And we bring in a lot of people. Yeah. Most recently, in recent history, bringing in people That's has been... That's we have been, yeah. Those are the three things. Which one of those are actually real? Like, the government just spending money, like they're going nuts. Um, you know, real estate prices that at times in certain markets seem really inflated, certainly relative to... Starting to be all income. the time. <laughs> And then just like, well, let's just bring in more people. Yeah. Like these are our three economic drivers. Yeah. That doesn't bode super well. And then we get into these screwed up situations where like, all right, the government overspent. I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but clearly how we handled the COVID situation was not good. Wasn't good. And that's a big part of why we're in this situation. And then they doubled down with more spending, more spending, more spending. So then we have all this inflation. It's like, oh, well, shit, now we've got this problem. We've got all this inflation. How do we try to tackle that? Well, and I know the Bank of Canada is not, you know, lockstep with the federal government by any stretch. They, they, are, they are arm's length, they're independent. However, yeah. they've got one mandate, which is to keep inflation low. And they've got one tool to do it, the overnight rate. Yeah. So they're like, well, inflation's running out of control because of what the federal government has done in, in large part. Obviously, there's some other factors too, but man, yeah. the, the, the federal government deserves a big chunk of the blame for, for this inflation situation. Yeah. So they just turn the dial. 
mm-hmm. which basically means if you have bought a house in the last three years, you know, if you, if you bought a house between 12 and 36 months ago, or by some poor coincidence, you're up for renewal here currently. Which a lot of people are. Which a lot of people are. All of the mistakes of the federal government are going to be borne by you. Yes. Like you are going to be the people that bear the brunt of these poor federal, you know, spending policies. Yes. But then there's this thing with, because of all of this inflation, yes, no one here in Canada is willing to work these historically lower paying jobs. In fact, can't afford to, in fact, like you can barely afford to be a nurse, a teacher, like a lot of these things because of this inflation. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we have to bring in a bunch of people to work these jobs that no Canadian can justify anymore because it doesn't provide the Western, you know, standard of living that, that we're used to or convinced that we deserve or whatever it is. Yeah. So we have to bring in all these more people that then perpetuate compl- the problem. <laughs> yeah. If you bring more people to a country, they spend. Yes. And as a result, the economy hums along. Yes. So while we're squeezing all these you know, people who have bought homes in the last 36 months, we're just squeezing them. We're not getting the movement on inflation because we just bring in more people to increase the spending power. And then you're just like, well, why doesn't the government intervene in this housing market? Does the government really want affordable housing? They just don't. Because again, like we talked about this before, that is a huge source of revenue for them. Mm -hmm. So their solution is like, well, we can't really give back the tax money and we can't really you know, drop fees and at the provincial or municipal level, none of these levels of government want to do anything that takes money out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. Their solution is just keep giving us that money and we'll keep spending it out on the other end. Yeah. Which just further perpetuates the problem. Yeah. Like, I think we're in a really stupid cycle and anyone listening to this, I don't, we don't want to get into politics too much, but if you vote in your upcoming elections for the status quo, something is seriously, seriously wrong with you. Yes. I agree on all these things. We've talked about it before, and I've always kind of screamed about how we don't have anything else for our economy except for bringing in people. Yeah. And the thing, uh, I mean, it's smart in a lot of ways because bringing in people is is human capital, and they also bring their money from other countries, which is really important, and that's really the end goal when you're exporting a product is to bring in the money from other countries, and you're doing that also by bringing in people, but you're also getting the capital, the human capital. But also, like we're saying right now, we're trying to have, you know, contracting monetary policy. We're saying we need less money being out there spent. So you, know, you and I have our Canadian very- money. We want to bring in that external dough to now for inflation, we want to have less money out there as a whole, but the inflation, if it can be managed additionally, if you can bring in more money from other countries, like, and that would be through selling resources. And so now's a good time would be really helpful for the country to make a push on, on selling some resources to bring in some outside capital. So we're not running off of our own debt uh, mm-hmm. to, to have this. And yeah, it's it's a very weird situation that we're in because additionally, like you said, for people who live here locally, it's hard to maintain the life that we want. But then the people that come to work the jobs are ultimately receiving the money to be able to live the lifestyle. Additionally, because we're so pro on immigration, they receive a lot of benefits that sometimes can put them at an advantage in comparison to somebody who's born and raised here and local. Well, I don't even know about that. Like, Oh, 100%. And, 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 no, that's 100%. That, that you see it. They get their rent subsidies, uh, job placements. There's, there's all sorts of, like, there's cash bonuses. I have people, I have immigrants that will offer me more money from, than the rent's being posted at because it's uh, covered for them. 
Interesting. Okay. Right. Or and then there's also the loopholes that people pull where it's like, um, when you're hiring immigrants, you can get payroll subsidies, right? And or there's people who will purchase their way into the country, and so they're able to like, again. You're bringing in cream yeah. of the crop, so they're going to be at a higher status level than people locally. Yeah. And so you're, it, it makes it a very difficult environment. And so people who get the payroll subsidies, like I've seen companies that hire a ton of people, bring them in, and then use the payroll subsidies to basically give more money to the to the place. They, they work together. They basically like, look, we're going to get all these government subsidies for running a, an immigrant-based company that brings in a bunch of people, and then we sprinkle the subsidies across all of our, our groups of people. Like these they are groups of immigrants, so they get way more money, and they can do shit for way cheaper too because they're like... Forty percent of my payroll is covered. Oh yeah, yeah. No, so I can yeah, under I yeah. can underbid you on on jobs here, and or additionally, any money that I do get from the government, they'll spread it across their guys. So the yeah. guys are making more money than somebody in the equivalent position. Right. Yeah. No. I, I I know what you mean. So yeah. it, it, it becomes a very difficult situation. Yeah. For both at the end of the day, as an immigrant, it's super tough, and I'm not saying like anti-immigrant at all. I'm very for it. Obviously, my family immigrated. Um, but I'm just saying it's, it's, we have a the system's gotten kind of wonky and flawed. And in, in times like this where people can't afford things, they're more inclined to do things where to get extra money, whatever it may be, or to kind of push the limits or look for the loopholes, uh, mm-hmm. and, and trying to use those now to stay afloat and stay ahead of the curve. It's also, I mean, it's, it's tricky, like, cause it's a timing thing. And we do have this problem where we have a population that's not, like we don't have a high population and we're very spread out and it's hard for us to finance um, all of the infrastructure and all the public services that we continue to rely on and, and whether or not that's a good solution moving forward. I personally don't think it is. I mean, you know, if I think it would be great if the the people that came here were allowed to go out and, and for example, say, say we had some private healthcare here, like more private yeah. healthcare than we have now. Yeah. Then if you brought over, you know, doctors and people like they could open and expand their own healthcare practices and bring their own people over and alleviate some of the pressure on the public sector healthcare. It ultimately push prices down, I think, too, over time. I think so as well. And that's going to, you know, that'll never play well with the public because it's kind of, we like, you know, banging our drum about how great it is to have free healthcare, even though it's trash. Like, look around. Our healthcare system here is it's just it's free healthcare trash is right more now. of, I think, a control thing than um, an actual. And that's just one example. Like, you know, I just think if we, you know, bring or bring people over here. Let's empower them to start like real, real businesses and, you know, add real value and innovate and do these things rather than set up these programs that are, again, just government handing out money and just floating these things that aren't necessarily fundamentally government sound in their own right. Keeps control that way. The systems only yeah. run in that direction. Now, uh, hey guys, I just wanted to interject for a second and discuss the wildfires. Um, our hearts are with anyone who's been affected by it. It's a terrible situation. Um, but on the flip side, we have received some messages from home builders and people in industry uh, that are trying to help out and help get the word out. Um, and so if you or anyone you know maybe works, I guess, with families or insurance companies or you have something you want to provide, you can message us and we'll try and help link some people up here uh, mm-hmm. We have a good platform. A ton of us are in in the real estate world, um, and yeah, I, I just like I don't know what the exact direction is. And so, if there's someone who's like, "Hey, we need home builders to start signing on," 
I've had a few that have reached out that are like, we can get houses up in six to eight months. Like we're ready to start building some of these places, but they're struggling to get in contact with the people that that need them. So if, yeah. you, if you can if you can reach out, uh, just I guess shoot me a direct message, um, and and let us know if again if you if you can help out or if if you know someone that can, or even um, if you're seeing like the platform or how people are getting connected between these things. Yeah. Because we I had someone reach out and I didn't know where to direct. Them. I go I don't know like social media, you know, because he's got a, a unit coming available. Um, yeah. You know, so it'd be nice. I'm sure there's some things getting in place. Um, if you know of them or if you need have someone who might need a connection, yeah. So anyways, thanks guys. Enjoy the pod. I kind of want to change your a little bit on the same note regarding because again we're talking about real estate and affordability and everything is insane. And we had made a post about the Toronto rents and like how whatever the rent was like broke an average of three K or whatever it was at that point mm-hmm. in time. Yeah. Uh that was earlier this year. And I commented on there and I said, at what point do people stop, simply stop paying rent? I'm not sure you saw that comment. I've gotten a fair number of replies. People are like, this is so ignorant. Why the hell would people stop paying rent? Mm. Well, I don't know if you've watched the news at all in the last couple of weeks here, but there is now people striking in Toronto on paying rent. And more and more people are just simply not paying their rent. Um, and they just can't mm. afford to. Um, so I'm going to, so this is, this is in specific. There's a building um, where I don't know exactly how many tenants have now stopped paying rent, but they're actually... And the more people they interview, the more people are like, yeah, I'm jumping on, on the bandwagon. But in this building, whatever massive complex in Toronto, they received kind of two annual increases of 5% each. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is in Toronto, you can't go more than 2%, but they were able to do so because if you have uh, basically an exorbitant amount of repairs and maintenance to be done, you mm-hmm. can apply and I think get an, an extra, called an AGI, so you can get a larger rent increase provided so, you do the work presumably. provided you do the yeah. work and so they, they did and they and they they got those uh rent increases and so it was a couple hundred dollars on a lot of the rents um and so people now are literally just striking and not paying not paying their rents um like this is the it's such a touchy thing now because like of course these people are receiving eviction notices but like what's going to take like what's going to happen from this because like how this, do, all, this is what i thought about municipal taxes like we're getting so gouged and as a landlord, it's really frustrating to be like, wow, everything else is allowed to go up except for us, right? Like everything else can increase and no one is out there picketing or striking at the grocery store, right? No one's out there striking at the gas station. You know, no one's out there striking at basically. You have no choice because you have to give your money at that point in time to receive the product. Whereas with a space, when you rent a space, once you're in there, no one physically like maintain the fact well, that you don't have to leave. And people we need to be doing like uh, some what's called a uh, what's called when you fill your gas and then run pump and I can't remember. Uh, I worked at a gas pump station. and run. I no. should know what this is called. What's this called? Pump and I know. I think it's called about. a drive off. Anyway, like why aren't people just doing that? You're like you know what? I'm tired of this. Or like I, well, I guess a lot, a lot of people are probably stealing from grocery stores. The problem with um, that is well, you have to have your plate off. You'd have to have a plate yeah. off your car. And then additionally, they, so, but they, they approve you, you know, every single person that when you go to pay, if you pay at pump or you try to pump without paying, they have to click go and they check the camera and they check and see if you have a plate and then they click go. Oh, interesting. That's what it is now because, and a lot of times they'll send you inside a lot of places more and more like you have to pay. But here's the other thing. Like I, I accidentally drove off one time. I was, I was. I was talking on the phone, to be honest with you, which you're also not supposed to do, yeah, probably because it increases. I was smoking a dart, talking on the phone, just stealing gas. A dart on the phone, <laughs> doing everything wrong, throwing matches. Um, and yeah, so I just drove off and, and I didn't think anything of it. I got a call from the police a day later yeah. or, or two days later. 
like, hey, um, you know, we pulled your plate. What you didn't the pay. Hell and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I honestly just totally forgot. Yeah. And the police kind of like, honestly, like, there's not a whole lot we can do about this. Um, but like, are you going to go back and pay? I'd like to be able to tell them. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll go back and pay. It's just crazy that like I drove off on like 20 bucks worth of gas and the cops came for me. Yeah. And every time someone doesn't pay rent, what do the cops say? That, it's that, a tenancy that, issue. It's not a tenancy issue. issue. So someone cannot pay 2000 bucks. Thousands of dollars. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, there you go. But I thought about this, you know, we have, we, we just get demonized and we have no pull and everything else can go up and up and up and no one says boo. But landlords, man, like, here in Halifax, we've only been getting 2%. It's going to be raised to 5%. Yeehaw. Um, the one thing we could do in theory is just not pay our property taxes, right? That's, if on mass, that's a game I don't want to play. I, well, that's the thing. Like, uh, but it's also because will we abide by the rules and like chandler. all of these things. And, but even if just like a delayed thing, because you know how it is for them to tax sale of property. It's, it's very hard. It takes a long, long time. Even just did it like, yeah, for 12 months, we're not going to pay. And let's see how much, you know, the city sweats for those 12 months. Without that revenue you need coming in, so many people. Exactly, you need a lot of people to do it. The yeah. so the other thing I want to point out about this this company, like I dug into it a little bit because, of course, the article was written in a way to be like they made this much. They made um, they have a cap rate of four percent, and they're making a net income of fifty percent. So they're making a fortune on on these places. How can you have a net income of fifty percent and only cap rate of four percent? That doesn't much make sense. But well, no, the cap. So the cap rates, like you know what I mean, like your cap because your net income is not going to like for them. They're not going to raise their interest. It's going to be EBITDA. So there's no interest on that. So it's going to be right, on, the, on if they're making a hundred million bucks, their operating expenses are fifty million dollars. Right, so okay. they make fifty million bucks, but it only works up to a cap of four. Um, so they have eighty-eight hundred units. They collected ninety-seven million dollars in rent. That averages out to nine hundred and fifteen dollars a month per unit, with predominantly Ontario units. And mm. they never mentioned that. I'm like, yeah. their average rent is like a thousand bucks. It's the same thing. I went to a Killam presentation, and they said the same thing. They brought up their average rent, and it was like. Eleven sixty, like yeah, our new average rent right now is twenty four hundred dollars, but it also yeah. costs us six hundred thousand dollars a door to build a building. Yeah, so we're losing money on those buildings at twenty six hundred dollars. Yeah, but our average is still this. Yeah, and um, then every news article bit they're like average rents have increased. It's like yeah, because all you did was you took a quick Google search of what's being rented currently. You didn't take the yeah you know, what, summary of the other ninety seven percent of people that are locked in. Yeah, it's the other thing was if you on their um, balance sheet they spent eight percent last year on maintenance and repairs. So rents went up five, but 8% of that $97 million was towards maintenance and repairs. So it's like, I don't know. And, and at a cap rate of 4%, they show their new debt. They're signing on at 7%. So it, they're actually not cash flowing on the buildings. Like they're taking a loss yeah. and, and their realized loss at the end of the year was like negative $130 million. Yeah. Like so again, like, cause, cause all the yeah. properties as, as well with interest rates going up, all the properties go down in value, every single one. So it's just, I, again, the article didn't say any of that. Uh, I just ended up reading their their income sheet just to kind of see what, what all was going on because they just took out the like like fifty percent net income. It's like yeah, okay, that let, let's just see here what the actual net income looks like and what what they're actually doing into this. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, my again, my bigger thing was is it's just interesting now, and I really don't. I like as the second I heard that, I was like, how's that going to work for like mortgage payments and shit? Like, you can call the bank and be like, hey man, like literally no one's paying rent. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to give a shit. No. Of course they're, they're not going. Like, it's... Like, nobody's going to care. Insurance <laughs> is not going to give a crap. They're no. going to be like, uh, we don't get... Like, the, the, the second you miss your insurance payment, you have no coverage. Yeah. And then and your bank's going to be like, you, you, you need to have coverage. Yeah. 
Like mm-hmm. I, I don't. I just, it's anyways. Like I said, I, I just wanted to. I well, kind of pointed out because I remember all I, of these things that can absolutely screw a landlord. Yeah. Um, but there's not much that could actually hurt a, a tenant who doesn't pay. There really isn't because obviously these tenants are taking the calculated risk of, oh, the tenancy board's not going to get through all of this. No, and the, the media, not. the media, and the general public are going to back you up. Yeah. Because it's it seems like the thing to do. And I'm not saying that like we don't need a radical readjustment of the housing market, including the rental market. Yes. What I'm saying is if each one of those tenants targeted their ire towards the government that is not approving projects quick enough, mm-hmm. that has played a huge role in this mass inflation, that has taken, I think, time and time again, like just bad policy on housing and government spending, that is where your anger should be you know, directed. But it's directed towards landlords because they're right there. They're in the media. They're, oh my gosh, these landlords just, you know, making so much money. It's not true. The government makes way more money on that property than the owner. I'm telling you, I think my idea of if with a rental statement or like some sort of sheet, when people sign their rent, you're like paying $1,400, $250 is taxes, $100 is insurance. All the, you break them all down. I think people might have a different perspective and they'd be like, this much is interest. This is repairs and maintenance. There's this much money that's actually going towards equity pay down or like any, yeah. and then this is the actual pure profit, which is 4%. Like it's like, like, oh, like that's not like two grand. Okay, they're making 80 bucks. Yeah. This yeah. isn't such a sexy model for all the work and the people and everything that goes in the background. Yeah. Um, it is just the numbers are enormous because there's huge properties and things like that. It would also be great if you could do it month to month and then you'd be like filter for the bathroom fan minus 80 bucks because they'll be like oh yeah that time i called them and they had to get the filter for the bathroom fan that was 80 bucks you know what i mean like i I do think it would matter just because the lack of awareness i don't know i feel like we're just here this we're wanting these apologists for landlords but i'm gonna keep this wine going i just got a quote for insurance fill me another glass of wine baby (laughs) (laughs) for 68 units renovated 68 46 47 68 units for 68 renovated units how much do you think insurance costs per year 68 renovated units across how many buildings eight eight buildings oh man eight buildings i would say you're sixty-four thousand dollars seventy-three thousand. that's that's basically it averages out to a hundred dollars a month per unit yeah. That kind of blew my mind. That well, $100 I, each month is just going towards insurance, which I've never made a claim on, and you never really get to make a claim on. Insurance right now is basically, if you're a, and, and a the deductible scale, is enormous. Yeah, if you're a small-scale building, which is like, say, 6 to 15 units, it's $8,000 a building. That's why I was like, how many buildings you got? You got eight buildings? That's about 64000 bucks. Yeah, that's a little ins- higher. Yeah, because they're all around like 8600 right? So, yeah. It's ludicrous. It's actually insanity. I was doing, um, you were probably doing this as well, uh, my three-year operating statements on a building. Yeah. And just looking at how everything went up, you really see it there. You're like, Insane, damn, yeah. man. My first year operating statement had insurance. I think it was, so this was 2021, 20, 22. Mm-hmm. I think my insurance was like $3,400. And then it was like $6,300. And then it was $7,300. Now it's like $8,700. No, of course not. Because it would be, it would be, du- it'd be, it'd be double that. Yeah. It, never made a claim on anything. But, and then you see, oh, my lawn care went from this to this to this. 
my snow removal went from this to this to this. My property tax whew, went from this to this to this. And all you just watch them go up. You're like, oh, yeah, that, that all tracks. Um, and so I just, I take, what do I do? I take the rent. I move it any chance I can. Like someone leaves, full rent. Right? I feel like, like it's like they're in a time right now where there's no eyes on them. So they just do like these insurance companies and, and places like they, they continue to increase it because like, well, rents are going up a bunch. And so we know we can squeak this in because this is how much money extra that they're making. And so they'll just say okay to it because the extra rent's covering it. Because that's how I'm stomaching it. I'm just like, I, I did the math. I was like, oh my God, if I got the rents that I had projected two years ago, I couldn't, these buildings wouldn't work. Yeah. It's only because yeah. rents went up about 60% in the last three years that this works, but I'm not really making any more money. The book, it shows a larger number, but it, all the expenses are just chewing it up. And I'm like, oh, these companies, insurance companies are so big. Like they'll be able to project exactly like, okay, rents are up an average of this. The average person, the average landlord or business can handle this much more yeah, costs on insurance. Bit. So yeah. we can squeeze this up this amount to actually get them. Like it's Yeah, insanity. and their stakeholders, their shareholders require a larger profit every single year, right? Regardless of what the economy is doing. This is the thing with the banks too. Everyone, you know, no one is out there picketing and protesting the bank and refusing fees or whatever. And mm -hmm. think about this scenario that's going on right now. Everyone is feeling tighter. Mm -hmm. What's the one institution that, yeah, they have some fixed products, but they're not losing money on those fixed products, really, right? They're, they're still making money on those fixed products. Banks? Yeah. Yeah, banks. Like they, they would argue that, well, because money's depreciated in value, there's all this inflation. They're actually, you know, if they have an interest rate that's lower than inflation, they are losing money, but they're getting it back on like the other premiums, like the bank fields, all the nickel and dime stuff. But like, oh, yeah, you know, rates are up, so you just pay more, right? Like it just, and over the arc of the, the plan, like they know those fixed products will come back in line. And for a while, those fixed products were, were more expensive than, than the variable money. So they're all fine. And we're all okay with that. We say, you know, we don't want our landlord being okay. We don't it's, want that. But we're, we're really okay with, with BMO and Scotiabank and CIBC. We're really okay with them being good. And we're okay with like the government being good. We're, we want to make sure the government and the banks have all their money. But it's, it's the landlord that we really need to make sure that they feel the squeeze. Like, that doesn't seem to make sense to me, but this is how brainwashed we are. We're totally okay with these other groups, you know, making all this money. All right. No more whining. I'm over it. We've already bitched about this a thousand times over. I am. I'm also, I feel the exact same. I'm just like, whatever. On the flip side, Mark Kenny, CEO of CapRead, uh, has made an announcement. This is on Business Vancouver. I saw this article and I thought it was kind of interesting because we've talked about this a bunch, but he thinks a affordable housing solution is right in front of us that can be done fairly quickly. And that's manufactured housing. And it made me kind of think about... Um, boys of Boxable? The Boys of Boxable. Yeah. Um, just, and he's basically saying, like, Capri just bought a bunch of parks off Killam there. They made that, like, swap for mm -hmm. apartment buildings, and they bought some, uh, some trailer parks simply because... Or mobile home parks uh, simply because... I think Killam was getting into some, like, anti-competitiveness because they owned pretty much all the mobile home parks in Canada. Um, oh. And so they had to sell them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so Capri ended up buying them up. But... Uh, He's saying that 1% of Canadian homes are in manufactured home parks. It's a missed opportunity for governments trying to uh, encourage affordable housing. There's a ton of land, and the zoning doesn't need to be heavily dense. Mm -hmm. And additionally, he's like, honestly, people can get in there and have a home for 500 bucks a month. Also, you don't get pillaged on the infrastructure costs because you effectively do it like a private lane. So you don't have yep. to build to like, you know, Department of Transportation road quality and not every single person needs, like you, you can be, do basically shared utilities and all of these things. There's some economics there, but it's like everything else. 
we stigmatized it and a lot of yeah. people are like, oh, well, I'm too good for that. Blah, blah. You go in these units, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Right. You can get like a 1300 square foot, three bedroom, two bath, vaulted ceiling, you know, mini home, and they're lovely. Um, so there's def- definitely something there. Um, we just need to change. And they've mindset. come a long way. I think that the, when they went like back in the day, they were built so cheap and poor, uh, poorly that they were falling apart and they were like, uh, not great units. And now, like you said, the new ones are beautiful units. They're like much more like they're actually better built a lot of times than homes that are built outside. Yeah. Right. Cause built the they're built in a factory. Yeah. It's the same consistency every single time. Um, the big, there's two big problems obviously is, is no mortgages or not big mortgages usually simply because they're not fixed. Mm-hmm. The new ones will give you mortgages, but then they start to, as they get older, they won't be able to remortgage well, yeah, them. Yeah, but, but a lot of those changes, it used to be that a lot of lenders wouldn't let you amortize past 40 years because that was considered the you know engineering life of the yeah. unit. But now that's no longer the case. And you see these units still getting financed well beyond their 40-year lifespan. The other thing that's interesting, is I think a lot of the parks went up. I didn't get a chance to look into this, but I think a lot of parks in Canada went up in the same sort of period where we were having a housing crisis uh, I don't know, it was the 70s or 80s, and they built a ton of parks super, super quickly, and it did actually offer uh, a ton of housing. And so it, it might actually be an interesting opportunity to do so. But again, it's it's the same concept. I think if any time housing gets built rapidly, it's going to end up ultimately, I think, being great right now and then taking a turn uh, downwards because people don't end up maintaining it and it was built so quickly there's a lot of things that get overlooked. It's the same mm-hmm. with you look at like the north of Halifax. Like we said, all those military houses that went up super fast. At first, they were amazing. Then for 20 years, they were in the dumps because no one really paid much attention to them. They weren't necessarily the flashy thing, whatever. And now they've come full circle and now they are the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think you'd you'd probably, again, have that same life cycle with these. But as a temporary solution, I think it could be it could be interesting. And I don't know. Again, the manufactured housing is a big part that excited me when I just reminded me of Boxable and watching their clips and, and seeing where things are going there. And the other suggestion here was the difference now is everyone can work anywhere. Yep. So there's an opportunity to put these all over the place and people can be working remote. Um, and there seems to be a, a larger shift towards that as we're going here. There's also like you can now model the parks that have had success and that are popular. Like we have one here called Timber Trails and they sort of geared it more towards senior living. And it was yeah. a, it, it's always been the most sought after park community you know, in the city. Yep. Um, but also the way they, they can be they hard laid, to get into. Oh, very hard. They also, the way they laid out the community, you know, these straightforward lines with a trail around the back, like a walking trail, um, a little bit larger lots, left a lot of you know original trees. Like it, it's just aesthetically a lovely park. Yeah, uh, and they set up the community in in the proper way. You'd have to think that people now with some you know savvy planning could do a similar thing, where you even have like a little commercial plaza at the front or something, and do these communities and do them really well. Um, but the, the challenge too is where do you find the land that that amount of density actually makes sense, right? As opposed to stacking high, right? So you have to go to these outside areas. And because all these costs have inflated, the land costs have inflated too. And it's, it's very it's also difficult. getting approvals. I think a lot of communities don't want to accept them simply because they've been stigmatized. Because I was thinking that right very, now. Very there, there's a piece of land next to me. And I was like, oh, that would actually be a really good spot to put it. And I'm like, I know that my neighborhood would come with pitchforks. Oh, yeah. To yeah. the council hearing of being yeah. like, this is not happening here. There's yeah. no chance. Um, on that same note of working remotely and how these could make more sense, Apple Vision Pro. We're not, we're not, we're not a tech podcast, but I remember you sent this to me. You're like, here we go. It's happening. It's like, we've been talking about this for two years and it has not happened. And now it's happening. (laughs) I'm telling you, 
this no one was doing it really well, and that's what it takes. It takes a, a company to properly bring it to market where it works flawlessly. You're gonna be wearing it. I'm already. Tell, it? I can already like you were like I will never put this headset on. You were gonna have an Apple Vision Pro strapped to your dome. I already know it. You're gonna walk in here. Yeah, to go with my iPhone and my iPad that I also don't have. Looking bug eyed. Yeah, whatever. You're gonna have a BlackBerry Vision blurry, but like it's <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. So you saw? Have you watched? Did you watch a video or anything? No. I'm sure Mark has. Yeah. It's of course everyone knows what VR headset is. Theirs is fully glass in the front. So the idea is, is you can still see out. Like it basically makes it interactive with your environment. Okay. Um, and so you're not like losing kind of because that was a big thing. Like once you close yourself off, it feels like you're in another space. You know what you're I mean? In a video it, game. Yeah, it's a video game, and it's it's uncomfortable and, and like to be honest, with you, it's kind of anxiety inducing, like to be strapped in there. Uh, I haven't watched a ton on it. I just watched the first video, but like they're like simply you can look at a screen and it'll operate the screen like any with Apple products. So like you look at your laptop and you don't have to touch your laptop. It'll start running and operating your laptop. And you can bring that screen up and then you can expand the screen like just in front of you using your hands and your motions and your eyes. Uh, and it picks it all up and like you can click on things and, and interact with stuff with your eyes. Like it's going to be insane. This is, it's it's, it's going to change the game completely. Like I, I guarantee you tons of people are going to be wearing these and it's going to make more sense, man. Like, and the two things I thought of, I'm like, well, first of all, with real estate, like I said, this makes total sense for showings because like there's going to be cameras that go along with this. You're going to be able to walk through and interact with the space in a showing without having to go to it. So why in the world would you drive there and do all that? The second thing is for me, and I think it more important is again, as we are continuing to go down a path of like more and more people are living in small spaces, you're not going to give a shit because you really don't need all that space because you can do everything within the virtual world. You're really not even going to necessarily care about the space that you're in as much. And I know you're, I know I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but I do see society going there. I think even right now, the reason people can pallet smaller spaces is we have so much technology. But so you're I think able then, to disconnect from the world and do, and do this stuff. I'm not saying it's good, but I do think this yeah. is where it's going. But this like, it's all just placating the need for the thing. But like, let's find a way to pretend that we give it to you, not actually give it to you, which is sort of like, I think we actually need a major shift in thinking and what we want and don't want. Basically, you're saying like, oh, you can live actually in a small space, but you can still pretend to have a big sprawling place. Like I saw yeah. this great post where apparently Canadians have almost the biggest houses in the world. Um, Believe that. Or, or like top three, like biggest houses US in the world. U.S. is probably the biggest. Because, you know, we want these five bedroom houses and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. We need to change that thinking. We don't need to be able to like live, live in a cubby and put on a VR set that still imagines we're in a five-bedroom house. That's not going to change, though. That's not going to change. Our whole, our whole society is like built on the idea and like constantly chasing the dream. There you will, you, we will always be fed the dream to keep us churning. Like, like if you took away that, that idea, if, if people weren't fed the idea of like more luxurious crap, bigger things, all this garbage, like the whole economy here is going to stop because everyone's not going to be fired up to keep working, right? Like this again, when we, I talk about Costa Rica, when you go to Costa Rica, they're not necessarily fed that, that bullshit. And so they don't really care. They're not like, I'm not, so I'm not, they're not obsessed with why chasing we're being money. Fed this bullshit. Like, we it have keeps the economy churning, man. Yeah. You're not like, again, it's the same yeah. concept. Like it's a benefit to the government to, and, it, and like, this is like conspiracy shit, but like it's, it's a benefit to the government to have people chasing money. Like that's, that's what they want you to do. They this yeah. is also going to increase yeah, yeah, the totally. amount of workable hours because it's going to get yeah. to the point where people are working like and we need innovation and we need and evening these jobs and we want to do all these things to better our lives. If um, you look at the amount of working hours now, every single person has a side hustle. 
Like you can no longer live without a side hustle. Everyone's like, I work this and then I do something on the side. If you just work a single job, it's impossible to get ahead. Like literally, they, they may, it's, it's gotten to the point now where, okay, now we're adding in multiple jobs. And that's that's what the, they want. Like they, you, a country, to run a country, to increase your GDP, to increase the strength of your of your country, you need your people to produce more. That's, yeah. that's what it is. Or you, you need more people, which is what the approach we take. It, it impro- we, actually, we actually, as individuals, aren't producing more in Canada. We're arguably producing less. Yeah, and um, we're trying to spread so it across more, more people. people. Yeah. Um, but again, you need to have more people churning to make more money. Uh, so all to say that only because the government continues to need more money. Totally. But that's, that's, that's world, that's world economics. That's like, that's never going to change. And if you're in a country that's jousting to be in those, in those top countries, that's, that's part of it. Like you have Mm -hmm. to be behind your country and be a part of that. Like Chinese mentality, right? Like that's the same, it's the same idea. And that's why a lot of people are very proud to work hard in, in the country because it's a part of the greater good of making their country stronger on a world stage, mm-hmm. right? All to go back to, I think that people keep getting fed the, like that, that will never change. Like again, that's, that's not, that's like government wants that, like the mentality is they want to praise the, the big, the rich, the powerful because they, they want everyone to be chasing that. Right. And all that to say that, it's getting to a point now where the the the, this the is gap is the gap's too hard to achieve, and so things like VR and technology are going to allow us to be pacified and to still enjoy these things. This is also because you can back to this, but this is why the government I don't think has really um, wants affordable housing because they make more money off of big expensive houses. Totally. They just do and big flashy projects and all these things. And affordable housing. So that's like, why they're going to have such a trouble with it because it doesn't put any money in their pocket. Yeah, and again, affordable housing, on average, the people that need to live there need it to be affordable. They're also not churning the amount of money that is beneficial. Like, again, the government is going to put more value on someone who churns big dollars than doesn't. It's, it's just that simple. Because they're more valuable to them. Like, if you're a government... Only because they can take more and then bring them back down to where the other people are anyway. Yeah, and, and yeah. but if you're a government, like, why do you need to run? Like, how do you keep this thing going? And so, yeah, you're going to put more weight on the people that are, like, making tons of money for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, anyways, I thought I thought it was neat. The Apple Vision Pro. I, I genuinely think I've been screaming on here for years now that it's VR is gonna be a gonna thing, happen. and it's totally gonna happen. And I see. I I the other thing. I, right off the hop, I was like, I hope this is where it starts. Or like, like uh, I was like, I was at the dentist when I, when I when it came out, and I was like, it'd be so nice right now to just be wearing that stupid thing. I could be still doing my work. Uh. I could still be doing my emails, or I could just watch a video. Because yeah. they're just like grinding away at my teeth. Yeah, guys just like watching porn while they're in the dentist chair. <laughs> I also was considering that for a second. I was like, I'm, I, this is gonna, there's going to be so much weird shit that We're comes from this. We're going to need a weighted blanket over yeah. here. Don't <laughs> fill in this cavity. <laughs> um, but it's going to come in. I think that's, I think that's real to see it first because it is like five or six thousand bucks, um, which is like sounds crazy, but cell phones now are like a, a full spec iPhone's like two and a half grand, I think. Or maybe three grand now. Jesus. So it's like it's not that outlandish. Additionally, Apple's got financing in their own banking system now, so everything's going to be financed. The other thing is with tech. I've seen when I was like, tech's a really great thing to finance because they can literally just find it, or they can just shut you down. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, don't go ahead, don't pay your financing contract on your phone. Yeah. Whoop, and you're like, ah, shit, right? Like you don't pay your financing contract on the car. We need to they have to try and track landlords. the car down, and then yeah. and like depending mm-hmm. on the car, some of them they put trackers in now, and so they can find them. But like a lot, of, like you can finance furniture and this and that, and all they can do is dummy your credit. Like they're never going to find that couch, and mm-hmm. they can't take it back. You can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. But technology, they can. So you're going to get to the point where everyone finances it. But I think off the hop, you're going to see it with businesses like using it. Like I was thinking that even like at the barbershop, you could like, well, it needs a head wrap around the back. But there's so many places that you can wear. 
the one that they put in their video was on an airplane. Yeah. Uh, that actually made a lot of sense to me because I'm like sitting in those seats for anything. Why would you even bother flying anywhere? You could just pretend you're there anyway. Well, there's that aspect. <laughs> and then if you do have to fly, uh, like anytime, you know, it's over three hours, it's pretty much sucks. Um, and so now you just throw this on, like you could be doing all your stuff. I, I don't know. I, again, I think, I and I there. think I, it, it's, how is it going to impact the real estate market is my thing. Is there going to be more people that are comfortable going into smaller spaces? Is there going to be less desire to have, all the homes and and like be chasing that kind of a dream now. Yeah. Like, do we, do people still, are people still going to have that desire when it's like you literally wear this thing all day and again, you can, yeah, exactly. You, everything's perfect. You can capture reality, like whatever reality you want. You can make it that makes or you can make any reality you want. So bad in real life. society. But anyway. It is. But so, so are cell phones. So is TV. So is all this tech. It's all, it's all been bad. Like there's been, <sighs> there's been some improvements, but as a whole, the average person's, Time is just getting sucked by these things. Yeah. I see my average screen time every week. It's like six and a half hours. And I'm like aggressively trying not to use my phone. It used to be when I was working a lot, eight and a half, nine hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Easy. Yeah. Um, okay, we got to wrap this up. That's my rant on the Vision Pro. It's going to be sick. I'm going to bring a video of Chandler wearing it. Yeah, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on the interest rate stuff and, and how you're feeling it, you know, personally um, and what, you, what your thoughts are. I mean, we've thrown out some ideas here that are maybe not going to be super popular and maybe everyone won't agree with. That's fine. Fire your comments. Let us know what you think. But 100%. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks so much for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press like. Don't forget to subscribe. But also check us out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find all the links below. Thanks again for checking us out. Broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.